Welcome to Bloodbath, a true crime podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. Wait, Ash, did you just say true crime? I did. So if I'm easily creeped out or offended by political assassinations and ties with Soviet Russia, then this probably isn't the podcast for me. You know what? Try it out. It's a a (laughs) bit of history in this one. If there's one to try out, it is this one. Well, consider that your blanket trigger warning. You're about to listen to a true crime podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It's time for the show. we're back hi and we're back from outer space not really but we are <laughs> going to talk about space today so makes sense yes <laughs> so we're going to dive into um some more history we did history last week we dove into the tragic life of a marilyn monroe and you can't talk about marilyn without bringing up the 35th president of the united states mr john fitzgerald kennedy here's some fast facts about jfk He was the youngest person to become a president by election. He was still the youngest president at the time of his assassination, and he had the shortest lifespan of any president. He is known by JFK, Jack, or John. So, John, John, let's talk about his life. Now, him being a president and also being an assassinated president, there are books and books and documentaries and movies and articles and on and on and on of every single detail of his life and i'm not going to get into that (laughs) everyone has their own opinion every single person surely yeah but i'm saying like like literally they have every single moment of his life documented from when he was born to when he died oh my god some people treat him like jesus christ or something like he is (laughs) you know there's they have him they have, they have him hanging up like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Exactly. <laughs> it's Jesus. <laughs> exactly. So there's a lot of information I am going to leave out because, oh my God, the amount of like typing I had to do for this already. <laughs> so we're going to talk about his life, his early life, all of that kind of stuff, but I am going to leave out some of the details. So bear with me. All right. He was born May 29th, 1917, outside of Boston in Brooklyn, Massachusetts to Joseph P. Kennedy Sr. and Rose Kennedy. His father was a businessman and a politician. He worked on, like, with stocks and all that kind of stuff. His mother was a philanthropist and a socialite. He was named after his mother's father, John F. Fitzgerald, who served as the mayor of Boston for two terms and was a U.S. congressman. So politics are in the family. But also born for it. (laughs) Exactly. His mom being able to be a philanthropist and a socialite, that means they got money, 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 money. I money. learned what that is last week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so JFK had an older brother, Joseph Jr., and then seven younger siblings, Rosemary, oh, Kathleen, God. Eunice, Patricia, Robert, Jean, and Edward. Now, since JFK is a record-breaking president, his life has, like I said, been heavily documented. So we're just going to try and get through this. Um, mm-hmm. You should Give know. the nitty-gritties. You should know some of this because, you know, history. But as Ashley said in her stories, you know, on Instagram, Mm -hmm. she skipped history class. So those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Okay, history's fun. I like listening to it in my own ways, like from Bailey Sarian, dark history. Okay, 
I'm learning now. And also, I'm, I have to say, like, I'm not a shitty person. So I don't think I'm going to repeat. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'm not a shitty person. So I don't think I'll repeat the shitty history. You know, you know, you see what I'm, you see what sure, I was saying? You're there? not going to, you know, invade Russia and then die in the mountains or whatever, because exactly. you didn't realize that, you know, winter happens. But <laughs> in Minnesota, what? This goes <laughs> the same for just like your regular everyday life. If you don't learn from your own history, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Red flags. Hello. Anyway, it's called change. You're supposed to do it. Exactly. <laughs> and history is happening every second. Even if it happened five minutes ago, it's now history. So. Yep. Be excited by that. History is important. Anyway, let's get back to JFK. I like it nowadays. Yes. <laughs> sure, sure you do. <laughs> Only if it has murder in it. <laughs> okay, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so since he had a pretty prominent family, his parents set up trust funds for all nine of their children. That's a lot of fucking money. That is so much money. They were all I... well taken oh. care of their entire lives. Although, I will say that there is a Kennedy curse, and we'll talk about that. So, Joseph Kennedy became the U.S. ambassador to Great Britain, and for six months in 1938, John served as his secretary. He ended up writing his thesis at Harvard on Great Britain's unpreparedness for war, and actually ended up writing a book on it called Why England Slept in 1940. And in 1941, JFK joined the Navy and was sent to the South Pacific. He was a commander of a patrol torpedo boat. And, like, that's that alone is, is pretty fucking crazy. He was in, in charge of a torpedo boat, like, that send out the torpedoes. Yeah. It's crazy. So, Is Joe, it common for a lot of presidents to join the military as well? Yes. That used to be the norm. Um, okay. Most presidents had served in war and made their way up till general, and then they're like, all right, now I'm going to go Senate, Congress, then the presidential, you know, thing. George Washington okay. was the you know the yeah. staple for that he he was a, yeah. in the military so wooden teeth and all exactly right? but now they've realized <laughs> oh i can just be a lawyer and then go through co- senate and congress and then be a you know whatever as, as long as i become a senator i can be a president like i just don't know how you're put in charge of our veterans without being a veteran yeah here i go fight this fight that i've never been involved in and now, now the norm is to not vote for somebody who's been in the military because their brain sets are like, oh, they're just going to want to go to war. And it's like, no, they want to take care of those who have gone to war. Yeah. They've seen the bad stuff. They don't want to keep doing that. No. I, I don't know anyone who has been in the military, got out and was like, you know what? We should fucking go to war. All they've ever said is keep your hand out the cookie jar. Yeah. <laughs> like Nobody wants to go to war. Mm-mm. Jeez. Anyway. Oh my god, I skipped a whole part. Alright, so before the whole South Pacific, real quick. He was raised in a Catholic family that focused on physical and intellectual competition among the nine children. So the parents were kind of like putting them up against each other. Um, He was raised following the Democratic political party. And just make sure that you knew that part. Alright, back to 1941. (laughs) He's in the South Pacific. He's a commander of a patrol torpedo boat or a PT boat. And Joe, his older brother, also was in the military, and his family had expected Joe to return and run for president. Unfortunately, Joe doesn't make it home. So that political standard was then put onto JFK's shoulders. So that was kind of sad for JFK because he wanted to pursue writing. He wanted to be an academic and a journalist. And the book that he wrote, he ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize for. 
So he wow. was a good writer, but his parents put the presidential on his shoulders. So so he didn't even really want it, want it. No, no. But he had to do it. Yeah. So while he was in the Navy, uh, he actually himself barely escaped death. He was injured when a Japanese destroyer sank his patrol torpedo boat. And him and his crew were marooned behind enemy lines. And he, being the command, like the, the, the leader of that boat, led his men back to safety and was awarded the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps Medal for Heroism. And one of the only presidents to get a Purple Heart, so. I was about to say, that's a Purple Heart, right? I yes. know that for sure because yes. of the show that Braden always watches, <laughs> Medal of Honor. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So he's one of the only presidents who was awarded one and actually said, like, yes, I have a Purple Heart. Um, even after this incident, though, he requested to be put on active duty and continue serving, even though he'd been injured. Speaking of that, let's talk about his health. His health from the time he, time he was a little baby until he died suffered. Not, really? Not in the best place. So he had the major spine injury that caused him to be in pain daily, and he had operations done in 44, 54, and 55, but none of that helped. He suffered from Addison disease that was never made public till after his death, which is hypocortisolism, or adrenal insufficiency. It's a rare disorder that is defined as the destruction on the outer layer of the adrenal glands. And so this disease would cause weakness, darkening of the skin, poor appetite, weight loss, low blood pressure, gastrointestinal upset, and a craving for salt or salty foods. And when he was a baby, he had scarlet fever, whooping cough, chicken pox, measles, and ear infections. Oh, God. So as an adult and throughout his entire presidency, he was taking a combination of drugs. That includes amphetamines, steroids, and so much more, like barbiturates which is what Marilyn was taking, which is basically like a, what is it for um, today's standards? Uh, what is, what is uh, Post Malone saying about Lime, please. <laughs> I don't remember what they're, they're called now, but Post Malone sings about them. Uh, but people who take it and then they drink, they end up dying. It happens a lot with a lot of celebrities now. Like uh, the, the cough syrup stuff. Not right? that stuff. No? It's, no, but, <laughs> no, that's. I can't think of it. Whatever. I'll think of it later. But Somebody screaming it at us. <laughs> right. Tell us what I'm it sorry. is, baby. <laughs> but they were taking all those kind of drugs. Um, and the potential side effects of these drugs could have caused major mood swings, nervousness, hyperactivity, and impaired judgment. Prozac. I don't know about you. No. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I wouldn't <laughs> want someone with those side effects with his hand over the nuclear buttons. Like, please... Please remove yourself from the Oval Office. Anyway. Talk the nuclear <laughs> buttons, like anything in general. He's choosing a lot of things. Considering what he faces in his first uh, 100 days of presidency, I don't, yeah, the nuclear buttons come into play. Well, on top of that, the problem also is that he didn't really want this. He didn't. And he's going in it to make mommy and daddy proud. Yeah, because he was next in line. So it's it was almost like a, like a monarchy in the family recipe for disaster that too <laughs> that too <laughs> so speaking of this let's just get into those politics he never lost in an election that he ran in pretty okay. charismatic. charismatic guy exactly <laughs> so in 1946 he ran for congress and despite his daily physical pain he campaigned aggressively at only 29, he won the congressional election and served three terms in the House of Representatives from 1947 to 1953. 
He stood for better working conditions, public housing, higher wages, lower prices, cheaper rent, and more social security for those getting ready to retire. That's my president. In 1952, he ran for the U.S. Senate, knowing that his uh, seat in the House was going to be coming up. He and his family campaigned like crazy for this, and John knew what he was doing when he married Jacqueline Lee Bouvier. She was 12 years younger than him, but she came from a socially prominent family. She was beautiful and helped John to have the perfect look for his candidacy. And her family had a lot of ties. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He made a great senator. He had a reputation for responding to requests quickly. And one of the proposals that he stood for, which I do too, and I wish we could do was to abolish the electoral college because he wanted Mm -hmm. a true democracy for like by the people of the people and for the people. And he also wanted to push for labor reform and was committed to civil rights legislation, which was like during his time, there were, there was the the girls who tried to go to school. They were black and they were trying to enter the school and people stood in their way and wouldn't let them in. And they've called in the national guard. Yeah. All that was happening at this time. So yeah. Civil rights legislation to be backing that in a very southern white Congress. Oof, hard. Anyway, all right. 1960, he became a prominent politician and was one of the first to be televised. This, of course, worked in his favor because he wasn't bad to look at. (laughs) So (laughs) in January of 1960, he announced his formal presidential candidacy. And he faced a huge hurdle in the fact that he was a Roman Catholic. There had never been a Catholic president before him. Hmm. And... Uh, he decided, well, I'm not going to let that stand in my way. I believe in a separation of church and state. He is credited with the new frontier of politics, which was one of his catchphrases, actually, for his campaign. His charisma and wit and Jackie's fashion sense and beauty became the standard to which Americans would hold their candidates to. They're kind of like the perfect family. And if presidents don't live up to what the Kennedys were, they're kind of not considered presidential. They have to have that perfect look. Yeah, even though they kind of failed? Mm-hmm. Question mark? It, <laughs> there's a lot about his presidency that if he had lived, I think we would have seen a totally different America because of his diplomacy, the way that he went about things, was mm-hmm. completely different from anyone before. There so. was a reason he was taken out. <laughs> also, from what you just said, <laughs> I feel like uh, John F. Kennedy is the first influencer just saying. I think Jackie Kennedy would qualify for that because her okay. fashion sense, like her little pillbox hats and those outfits. Yeah. She was on the cover of every magazine possible. Yep. They they put her on the cover even at his funeral. They were like, look at her fashion. Oh my God. <laughs> so imagine. She was, she was a fashion Stunting. icon. Yes. And, okay. and everybody wanted to have the Jackie O hair. They wanted the Jackie look. They wanted to have her outfit. Her Whatever she was doing they insisted they had to be doing like her interviews in Vogue magazine and whatnot. It's like, what's your daily you know, life like? And then what do you make for your children? And then everyone in America was like, I have to do that. <laughs> I have to be like Jackie. So she walked so Jacqueline Hill could run. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jackie walked for Jackie. <laughs> All right. So Kennedy had Lyndon B. Johnson as his running mate for vice president. And they were up against none other than Richard Nixon. These debates were televised. And if you were listening on the radio, you might have leaned toward Nixon and his ideals and thought that he won the debates. But Kennedy had the nation at his feet with his looks and his charm. 
he became the youngest man and first ever Catholic to be elected to the presidency. His administration lasted a total of 1,037 days. His inaugural address has one of the most famous quotes in it. He ended it with, And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what, you, what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And this was his call to action. He wanted the American people to step up so that things could change. Mm-hmm. First up on the docket for the new president was a brigade set up by the CIA in the Eisenhower years. So the president before him, the CIA, had already started this brigade. They wanted a group of anti-communist Cuban exiles and have them ready to invade their homeland in Cuba. So they, they left Cuba. They were exiled. And the CIA is like, all right, you look Cuban. You talk Cuban. We want you to work for us and attack the revolution in Cuba for us. Oh, shit. And the Joint Chiefs of Staff that were advising President Kennedy said that this was a foolproof idea and it would spark an uprising against Fidel Castro, the Cuban leader. So he was like, all right, if my chief of staff says yes, then I guess I'm going to say yes. Well, it went completely to shit. Everyone in that brigade was either captured or killed, and it became known as the Bay of Pigs invasion. So after that, he kind of said, if my joint chief of staff ever tell me that this is a yes and I have to do it, I'm going to question it. So he kind of learned pretty quickly that he could be the scapegoat for everyone else's decisions because he immediately took responsibility and was like, nope, that's on me. That's on me that those guys died. So he didn't trust them again. Next up, we have Soviet Russia at the time, uh, Nikita Khrushchev. He had intentions of building a wall between East and West Berlin and had threatened to sign a peace treaty with East Germany against West Germany. And Kennedy activated the National Guard and was like, like, he's, like, puffing up. This is me puffing up. <laughs> I'm a bullfish. <laughs> and then Khrushchev was like, all right, fine, fine. I'm not going to sign a peace treaty with them. Whatever. JFK then surprised the nation by making a visit to West Berlin. And he used the construction of the Berlin Wall as an example of the failures of communism. He said, Freedom has many difficulties, and democracy is not perfect. But we have never had to put a wall up to keep our people in or prevent them from leaving us. Today, in the world of freedom, the proudest boast is Ich bin ein Berliner. He spoke their language to try to be, you know, we're all one. So this end of his speech had been rumored for the longest time to be him saying, I am a jelly donut. No. Um, and that rumor has <laughs> since old. been squashed. He said, I am a Berliner. And the people, people of West Berlin understood him perfectly. But for some reason, uh, one of the uh, com- political cartoonists ran with it that Ich bin ein Berliner meant I'm a jelly donut. So there's a lot of He memes. just wanted it too. There's a lot of, you know, history that says that that happened. But it was one reporter who said it. And they took it and ran with it. I mean, who wouldn't? The president just called himself a jelly donut. They would run. Yeah, but he didn't. <laughs> He's not a jelly donut. He said, I am one of you. Now right. I really want a jelly donut, though. Just saying. <laughs> you know, I, I could go for a Boston cream. Mm. Oh, so good. Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. <laughs> okay. Um, so in October of 1962, uh, a grouping of nuclear missiles was discovered in Cuba. And Kennedy was like the fuck dismantle those and he quarantined cuba from imports and exports he was like no you cannot have nuclear missiles that close to my country not allowed 
So for 13 days, they did not, they were like quarantined. Nobody could go in or out. And oh my so God. nuclear war seemed imminent during these, it was almost two weeks where they were just sitting there like, are you going to, are you going to launch those? If you launch those, we launch what ours. Do? What are you going like, to do? Hey, what button are you doing? For button. People are go. moving their pinkies. They're like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and I bet that he grew quite a few gray hairs in at least those 13 days. And everyone in the world probably did too. <laughs> Right. This became known. I mean, we, we've kind of lived a similar situation. You know, a little bit. You know, a little bit. It's been hard. Some people just really be repeating history. <laughs> Apparently, nobody's learning. Oh my God. History's so important. I hate you all. Anyway. <laughs> oh my God. So, this would become known as the Cuban Missile Crisis. And mind you, he just became president. All of this shit is happening. He's, All the shit is on his plate. Exactly. <laughs> He's not hungry. He's like, what the fuck? I just got here. And you guys made this mess. We just cleaned this up. No. <laughs> Why do I have to clean up your mess? <laughs> exactly. And he's like, he's cleaning. He was cleaning up Eisenhower's mess with the Bay of Pigs situation. Then he's got Nikita Khrushchev over here like, oh, I'm going to build a wall and fucking destroy West Germany. And he's like, Why? Why? Came over there and was stop. like, stop it. And now Cuba's Burn got- Anne. Missiles, exactly. He's got missiles, and these missiles are Soviet missiles, so he knows that they're in, like, they're talking to each other, and he's like, hello, what the fuck are y'all doing? Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. He's like, I see you. I, he's like, I'm going to know. I know. Like, World War? Is How am I going to know? I know. They're going to know. <laughs> and they knew. So, anyway, let's talk about some positive things in his presidential, you know, whatever. Anyway, Kennedy <laughs> created the Peace Corps pretty fucking cool so kudos on that that's dope he made massive income tax cuts he created a civil rights civil rights measure i cannot talk today i'm sorry people all of these (laughs) things were not passed until after his death so he's not really like super credited with it but he did it he um advocated for the space program and stated that by the end of the decade a man would be put on the moon and as you know he wasn't wrong 1969 before 1970 like he was literally correct before the end of the decade we're gonna put somebody on the moon and they did he just I wasn't mean, there to see if it. they did okay oh <laughs> my god the moon landing's real if you disagree stop yeah, winking whatever. at me jamie i'm not winking the moon landing <laughs> happened we went to space i'm gonna go to space fuck you <laughs> it's gonna happen and what your cessna <laughs> no i'm going to go to space when they start allowing me. people to go yeah. Moon, here I come. <laughs> I'm gonna run out of oxygen before I get there. <laughs> but I went and freeze to death too, or burn up. Either way, one of these I'm not making it in a Cessna. But when they allow people to go to space, I'm gonna be one of those people. They are allowing people to go to space. You just gotta suck the billion dollar dude's dick that. to go. But in the next ten years we are expecting actual massive amounts of space travel to be happening. They've already, they and just got approved. that's how the earth is going to explode. You know what? Fuck my good good. I'm going to say my good good right now. Because the FAA just approved for SpaceX to continue on their testing. They just have to become more environmentally friendly. But on their testing for mm-hmm. sending people to space. Like as like a tourist thing. Just for funsies. Wait, that's insane. It that is. That seems like way futuristic. Listen, uh. the Jetsons were set in this time. Yeah, I mean, we're behind on that. No, no, no. They're tangent real quick. Go ahead and skip forward if y'all want to. But supposedly, 
we're supposed to be with like flying cars and all this shit. Like we had the shit to do that. Oh yeah. We just can't be trusted with it. Are you kidding me? Crackheads <laughs> in Florida, no fucking way. <laughs> crackheads the in whole Florida. state of Florida, no, not allowed. They none of them can fly. <laughs> none of them are allowed to fly the flying cars. Oh my god. That's rule number one. And rule number one. <laughs> no one from Florida. Rule number one is don't forget where you parked your car at Disneyland. Get it straight. Well, once there's flying cars, don't forget how high Were you up parked it in the car. air? <laughs> how would you park it in the air? I don't know. Maybe they come with ladders. <laughs> Do <laughs> Maybe they're like UFOs and they and they like bring me up. <laughs> Beat me up, Scotty. Oh times. my god. My my flying car's name is gonna be Scotty. There we go. Revelation made. Fucking Star Trek over here. All right. Yes, we have the technology to do it, and yes, they are denying us. <laughs> they're Boy, denying us rightfully so, so yeah <laughs> and i mean i'm sure they're gonna release it to billionaires only and hopefully they just kill themselves in their cars what sorry anyway <laughs> <laughs> did i say that out loud my bad did i say that <laughs> okay back to kennedy back to reality um Ooh, the girl's gravity <laughs> oh space <laughs> space exactly <laughs> Uh, so his brother, Robert Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, as he was known, was uh, his attorney general while he was president. And he was basically the second most powerful man in the country. So keep, a, okay. keep that in your noggin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kennedy had appointed Thurgood Marshall to the U.S. Court of Appeals, and he would later become the first black justice on the Supreme Court. That's a pretty fucking big deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. In his first State of the Union address, he said this about the civil rights movement the denial of constitutional rights to some of our fellow americans on account of race at the ballot box and elsewhere disturbs the national conscience and subjects us to the charge of subjects us to the charge of world opinion that our democracy is not equal to the high promise of our heritage however not a lot happened with Kennedy in the civil rights movement because he knew that most of Congress was full of Southern whites and it would be near impossible to pass any sort of bill at that time for the civil rights movement. But he did put mm-hmm. wheels in motion, at least. I mean, even putting somebody in the Supreme Court is a big deal. So essentially, he had to play his cards correctly. He wanted to do all these things and he had full intentions on doing it, but he had to go the smart way. He couldn't just go guns a-blazing like, change all these laws and they'd be like the fuck no so then he had a he had to play the long game in a sense exactly because if he had just gone in and been like we need to make these changes congress would have laughed at him and then he never exactly. would have been taken seriously so he needed to start making changes but they had to be slow and everyone's like mm-hmm. oh, i want it now i want it now it's like that's nice but to change a system you need you need a lot yeah also i feel like one of his idols had to have been abraham lincoln oh my god you're not even ready you're not even ready ashley this is so great too because like i skipped history classes so everything i'm saying is just like it's there it's just i didn't know it was there you're not ready (laughs) you're not ready you're not that's all i have to say okay get to it ma'am all right (laughs) so he put wheels in motion at the least that's nice uh he did have a lot on his plate already considering that he had the missile crisis bay of pigs basically every other country on the verge of war and like i said i'm leaving out a lot of details because literally every other country was also doing the same shit you had shit going on in iraq and iran and israel everywhere was was just like ah 
with a capital I. Ah. So <laughs> he <laughs> he walked into the biggest shit show that we'd ever seen. So whatever. Poor guy. I feel terrible for his first hundred days. He was just dealing with all the shit. Like I said, too much on his plate and he's not hungry. Yes. <laughs> Boy was just trying to make changes. He was just trying to get rights for black people. Come on. Son of a boo. <laughs> Can we not? So, apart from that, John and Jackie, let's talk about them and their relationship. Um, They actually ended up suffering a miscarriage in 1955, and then a stillbirth of their daughter, Arabella, uh, in 1956. In 1957, Jackie gave birth to Caroline Kennedy. And in 1960, 17 days after Kennedy was elected president, John Jr., or John John, was born. In 1963, Jackie gave birth to a son, Patrick, but he died two days later from birth complications. Oh, my goodness. Talk about the Kennedy curse. Yeah. Unfortunately, and it gets worse, but wait, there's more. Caroline is the only surviving child of JFK and Jackie. John John, yeah, had taken his wife and stepsister up in a plane where they were headed to Martha's Vineyard in 1999. But the plane crashed, killing all of them on board. Oh, shit. They were in a Piper Saratoga departing from New Jersey to Rhode Island. And the NTSB's official report said that John suffered from spatial disorientation due to the weather and it being a night flight. Oh, fuck. Like, what the... There's there's just... There's and a just curse. like that, they're all gone? It's just Caroline has left. Wow. And then as as far as his brothers and sisters, let's get into that. So... Kennedy's older brother died at war, like I said. His sister, Rosemary, Mm -hmm. was born with intellectual disabilities and was given a prefrontal lobotomy at 23. Holy shit. So she was incapacitated for the rest of her life. She died in, like, 2005. But they gave her a lobotomy, so she wasn't there. No, yeah. Oh. (laughs) His sister, Kathleen, died in a plane crash en route to France in 1948. Don't ever fly with a Kennedy. Just don't. And then I'm about his... to be asking. I'll be like, whose last name here is Kennedy? <laughs> Nobody? Okay, cool. We're good. Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Then his brother Bobby, which I don't know if you know this, he was also assassinated in 1968. What? So there's, this is the Kennedy curse. And I will be talking about the Kennedy assassination. The, the other one. Bobby Kennedy's assassination. <laughs> later. <laughs> so... At Don't worry. <laughs> but wait, there's more. So much more on this. Always. <laughs> all right. More relationships and affairs. So we all know JFK was a man who lived in infidelity. He was the, the poster boy for infidelity. Yeah. For sure. In the 1940s, he dated Danish journalist Ingra Arvad, who was thought to be a Soviet spy. He dated actress Jean Tierney. She was married at the time, but he wasn't. So Scandalous. Scandalous. Get it, girl. As a senator, so he's married at this point, he had an affair with Gunilla von Post, a Swedish aristocrat. He also had affairs with Judith Campbell, Mary Pinchot Meyer, um, who was a CIA CIA agent's ex-wife, who was mysteriously shot and killed a year after Kennedy was in 1964. Suspish. Oh, no, that's a case. Write it down. (laughs) Right there. Marlene Dietrich, who was an actress and singer, who also happened to sleep with his father, Joseph Kennedy. Oh, awkward um mimi alford who was a white house intern his wife's own press secretary pamela turner and of course we know marilyn monroe 
Mm-hmm. It is reported that while in the White House, he would have sex with just about any woman that worked there. He would invite them to come have pool and swim time with him, including the two nicknamed Fiddle and Faddle of the office, which is, like, disrespectful. Um, yeah. And that was Priscilla Weir and Jill Cohen. They were White House secretaries called Fiddle and Faddle. Oh, and it's such a, it's a power trip, too. It is. Like, who's going to tell the president? president? No. And and a hot president. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, the, the most power wanted trip man is there, in America. but then he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an insult to injury. It's just rude. So, yeah. Jackie once was giving a tour of the White House to a Paris match reporter, and when she came oh, across no. Priscilla, she because mm-hmm. she spoke French because she was the socialite and from a prominent family that was like something they did. She spoke uh-huh. French to this reporter and said, "This is the girl who supposedly is sleeping with my husband." Like oh. right in front of her. Savage. <laughs> she was not savage. <laughs> Classy bougie ratchet oh i love it but she also knew that there's nothing she could do like in those in that time you did not divorce your husband especially the president even if he was being an a-hole yeah oh divorce was oh, but just she's savage you would be exiled you Her? couldn't get a job you couldn't your family wouldn't talk to you like oh no divorce was not on the table her and uh diane diana would get along yes Probably. 100%. 100%. So he was supposedly having affairs with anyone he could get his hands on. He's quoted as saying, if I don't have a lay for three days, I get a headache. Take a fucking Tylenol. Don't don't put that don't on. whack it into the toilet. Yeah, you motherfucker. I, you don't need vag to do that. The fuck? The, the grossest thing I think I've heard from a president's mouth. Ma- nope, it's not. <laughs> Just kidding. No, just kidding. <laughs> We were alive four years ago. Damn it. But <laughs> Damn if I don't have a lay for three days, I get a headache. Well, go fix it yourself, sir. We've got a country to run. <laughs> no, he's got a country to run. <laughs> Apparently, he is spending all his time just fucking anything and anyone. So, anyway. It was rumored, so these are rumored affairs, that he had an affair with Judith Exner, who was an ex of Sam Giancana. You know, mob ties. Mm-hmm. She also yep. served as the courier between JFK and Giancana. So she was, like, bringing letters back and forth and boxes and parcels and stuff between the two. Yep. More on that later. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. She claims to have aborted JFK's child as well. So they had a they had an affair. Yeah, they did. Yeah. There was another affair with Anita Ekberg, that was rumored, who was an actress and a sex symbol of the time. Which, maybe he's got a type, I guess. I don't know. Just drop-dead gorgeous. Sure. Ellen Ramish. Everybody's type. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ellen Ramish was an East German-born call girl. So, already we have issues with East Germany trying to be with the Soviet Union over here. And then you're going to go with a sex worker from East Germany. And she was rumored to be a communist spy. So, maybe she was just doing her job. She was about to, you know, black widow it yeah. up. Yeah. Do it herself. Which is where Black Widow's backstory basically is from, is like Soviet Russia trying to infiltrate during the communist era. Yeah. And they would use their their sex skills to... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) I can't be mad at her. Right? 
just do your power. thing. It works. Men are, men are weak <laughs> when it comes to that. So, all right. <laughs> Sorry. It's the truth, guys. Don't get mad at me. All, you know, two yeah. of you listening. <laughs> I was about to say, we're, we're run by women here. <laughs> um, so let's get into the nitty gritty, the assassination. So it's 1963. He's three years into his presidential term. And at this point, it's piss or get off the pot. He has to either get out of office at the four-year mark or run again for the presidency. So he kind of does like a, a campaign light where he okay. he hadn't officially announced his intent to run for re-election, but he started campaigning to see how people would respond to his next campaign ideas. So he started speaking in a bunch of different states about education, national security, and world peace. And he knew he had to win over Texas to win the re-election, so he planned a visit to Texas. Okay. So note to self, don't visit Texas. Except I'm, I want to see Brie, so whatever. All right. <laughs> Only Tyler, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Away from everything. Away from literally everything. Because you know where they went? They went straight into Dallas. So we're in Dallas. Yeah, don't do that. It's November 22nd, 1963. They landed the, the Dallas Love Field. The president and his wife disembarked the plane and went to shake hands with a crowd of supporters who welcomed them. Jackie was handed a bouquet of red roses, which she brought with her to the limousine that waited for her, for them. It was like those roses were in the car when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine. I wonder if that bouquet went for anything. Anyway. I was just about to say, I wonder, like, it's got to be in a museum or something. Probably. It's, it's insane. There is, a, on there. there is an assassination museum, by the way, of the JFK assassination. Oh, we should There's go. There's a whole museum, so. Uh, they get into the limousine with Governor John Connolly and his wife, Nellie. They were already seated there. Uh, Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson and his wife were in another car in the motorcade. The procession was on its way uh, along a 10-mile route through downtown Dallas. JFK was set to speak at a luncheon at the Trademark in Dallas, so at the end of the motorcade. They were, there were thousands of people lined up in the streets to see the motorcade procession and to catch a glimpse of the president and the first lady. The limo turned off of Main Street at Dealey Plaza around 12.30 p.m. As it passed by the Texas School Book Depository, two gunshots were heard. One bullet had gone through the president's neck, another through his head. He was slumped over on Jackie's lap as the limo sped away towards a hospital. At 1 p.m., JFK was officially pronounced dead. Governor Connolly had also been shot but recovered. The president's body was brought back to Dallas Love Field and placed on Air Force One. As the plane sat there on the tarmac, Lyndon B. Johnson was sworn into office with Jackie at his side. The, we, so we were without a president for about an hour, and then he was sworn in. Yeah, which is why we have them there, right? Yeah, the, the vice president yeah. is meant to step in if the president dies or is impeached or quits or whatever. And they get to choose who's their vice president? Yeah, so that is because mm -hmm. of Thomas Jefferson back in the day. Because it used to be whoever you ran against was your VP. Oh, really? That was how it first was. Because they wanted both guys to have, like, a chance and to have, you know, if you had the Republicans or the Democrats, they wanted both of them to be represented in the White House. And then Thomas Jefferson was like, why would I have somebody who's always against me? As exactly. That's what mate? I was going to say. So he's like, I'm going to choose somebody that, you know, is, is like you. a partner. Yeah, is my teammate. Yeah. So you got to pick who your running mate is. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, more history. Fun. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the first suspect that they found was Lee Harvey Oswald. He was arrested by the police. 
He had fatally shot patrol officer J.D. Tippett on the streets of Dallas and was immediately named the murderer of JFK. He was a recent employer employee of the Texas School Depository. And on November 24th, Oswald was scheduled to be transferred from police headquarters to county jail, but he never made it. A man named Jack Ruby, who was a local nightclub owner with ties to the mafia, had shot him while he was being transferred. Oswald died two hours later at Parkland Hospital. Mm, they're mm. tying up those loose ends. Mm. Lyndon B. Johnson was quick to agree with the Lee Harvey Oswald story and publicly claimed that this was the man who shot the president. Jackie refused to remove her clothing the day the president was shot. She said she wanted the world to see what they'd done to Jack. She is pictured next to Johnson as he's being sworn in, covered in the blood of her husband. JFK's oh, last shit. words. Exactly. His last words were in response to Nellie saying, Mr. President, you can't say Dallas doesn't love you. He replied, no, you certainly can't. Yep. Yo, I got goosebumps. It's, yeah, that's heavy. So let's get into Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, my goodness. All right. He was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, on October 18th, 1939, to Robert Edward Lee Oswald Sr. and Marguerite Frances Clavery. Robert died of a heart attack two months before Lee was born, so he grew up without a father. In 1944, Marguerite moved the family from New Orleans to Dallas, Texas. Lee was described as withdrawn and temperamental. He once threatened his mother with a pocket knife when they were living in New York. He often skipped school and ended up in juvie. His psychiatrist, Dr. Renatus Hartogs, described Lee as immersed in a vivid fantasy life, turning around the topics of omnipotence and power through which he tries to compensate for his present shortcomings and frustrations. Okay. He was diagnosed with schizoid features and passive-aggressive tendencies, and he received little to no affection from his mother and family. He always felt like a burden to his mother. Oh, that's sad. It is very sad. So... They went from New Orleans to Texas to New York, and now they're back to Texas. By the age of 17, he decided, I'm going to quit school and join the Marines. And while in the Marines, he ended up getting court-martialed after he accidentally shot himself in the elbow. I don't know how you do that, but he did. In the then, elbow? In the elbow. Like, I don't know. Did you? I don't, it doesn't make sense. That's <laughs> a special type of person right there. I yeah. thought you were going to say foot and be like, okay. That yeah, makes foot. sense. Like, yeah, people shoot themselves <laughs> either in the elbow. foot or in the head. One or the other. How the elbow? Oh, no. So he got court-martialed for that, and then the guy who gave him that court-martialing, oh my god, court he got in a fight with, so then he got court-martialed oh. a second time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then there was what happens. a third incident where he was on night guard duty, and he just decided, I'm going to fire off my rifle into the jungle for no apparent reason. His reasoning was that he wanted to. Okay, yeah. get it He's right. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I just felt like doing it at the time. Just want to see what His happens. intrusive thoughts won. <laughs> exactly. Uh, while in the Marines, he taught himself Russian, kind of, <laughs> not good Kay. Russian, and spouted off his pro-Soviet sentiments. In 1959, Did he, say he was a filled jelly donut. Ich bin ein Berliner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1959, he received a hardship discharge, claiming his mother needed care, so they put him in the reserves. And then a month after coming home, he's like, "I'm gonna defect to the Soviet Union." Bye, mom. Okay. So he lied. He wanted to become a Soviet citizen. And on the day that his visa was expiring, they told him his application had been denied. So he goes back to his hotel room and cuts his wrist so hard that he has to be in the hospital. 
Oh, he my tried goodness. to unalive himself because he wanted to scare the landlady. Oh, um, okay. So they they put him in a hospital in Moscow and put him under psychiatric observation for a week. He gets an extra stay, you know, in the Soviet Union. I don't know. <laughs> this guy's not all there. Uh, Evidently. When he got out of the hospital, he appeared at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow and declared that he wanted to renounce his citizenship. He said he had information from his military service that could help the Soviet Union. So he defected there and was named undesirable by the military. However, the Soviet Union was like, yeah, we're going to just surveil you for the rest of your time. We don't trust you. Forever. Forever. By 1961, he wrote in his diary that he wished to return to the U.S. He didn't even last three years. He said, I'm starting to reconsider my desire about staying. The work is drab. The money I get has nowhere to be spent. No nightclubs or bowling alleys. No places of recreation except the trade union dances. I have had enough. Shortly afterwards, he who had, he never formally renounced his citizenship. He just said it. It's like it, Michael in, in the office. I declare bankruptcy. 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 That's not how it works. <laughs> like, you have to I formally... Have you have to formally fill out paperwork to renounce your citizenship. It's a whole process. He didn't actually do that. So he ended up um, writing a request to the embassy to return his American passport. And it, he proposed that to return to the U.S. if any charges against him would be dropped. And in March of 1961, he's waiting around to see if they'd approve it. He meets Marina Prusakova. She was born in 1941. She's a 19-year-old pharmacology student. And they ended up marrying six weeks later. Ooh. Yikes. And their first child, June, was born on February 15th, 1962. On May 24th, 1962, Oswald and Marina applied to the U.S. Embassy in Moscow for documents that enabled her to immigrate to the U.S. And on June 1st, the embassy gave him a repatriation loan of $435.71. And they and their infant daughter left for the United States. And he was upset at the amount of press attention that he didn't receive on his return oh god Mm. so they settled in the dallas fort worth area he jumped from job to job as he had done his whole life he was fired in april of 63 attempted to kill retired u.s general edwin walker on april 10th 1963 like why (laughs) and it's because this guy was anti-communist so because he was verbally and just outspoken about being an anti-communist he was like all right i'm gonna try to kill him Okay. Didn't. He's trying Ended up just else. injuring his arm. Now he's bored. He's just bored. <laughs> Somebody keep this guy employed because when he's unemployed, he does shitty stuff. Give him a coloring book. <laughs> so after this assassination attempt, he is he moves to New Orleans again and he really starts making a ruckus out there. He befriends an ex-FBI employee and they started to make pamphlets for the Fidel Castro Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. The, it's Mouthful. The, I think it's FPCC for short. Uh, he ended okay. up getting in a scuffle with Carlos Brinjur while passing out pamphlets and was arrested for disturbing the peace. After all this, he intended to leave New Orleans and head to Mexico so that he could get into Cuba. Cuba said he would need Soviet approval to do so. So obviously that didn't work out for him. Uh, and they said him in Cuba would hinder instead of help their revolution. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were like, no, but with some sass on it. <laughs> so <No. laughs> he returned to dallas on october 2nd 1963 by october 14th he had heard about a job opening at the texas school depository and by this time he had two children with marina 
finally the FBI and the CIA caught up with caught up with Lee and they realized, oh, he's got contact with Soviet Union, he's got contact with Cuba. They were like, oh, he's probably going to be an espionage case. They visited the home he was staying at and spoke to his wife, but he wasn't home when these visits happened. And he ended up writing a threatening letter to the FBI about this, saying, if you talk to my wife again, I will take this to the proper authorities. Keep my wife out of your motherfucking mouth! (laughs) Oh, so good. Exactly. So he, he said that, and they were like, Okay. We're the FBI, sure. dude. Who are you going to report us to? You can't what to do. <laughs> what are you going to do? We're literally at the top. <laughs> so, before the assassination, the newspapers had published the route that the presidential motorcade would be taking, which incidentally would be passing right by the Texas School Depository. So, on Thursday, November 21st, 1963, Lee Oswald asked his coworker for an unusual midweek lift back to Irving because he didn't own a car at the time and his coworker would drive him in on Monday and he'd stay till Friday at like one of those, like a cheap little motel and then he'd drive back with his coworker. Okay. So, he was like, on this Thursday, can you take me home? I'd like to pick up some curtain rods. Mm-hmm. So, the next morning... The day of the assassination, he returns to Dallas with his coworker. He left $170 and his wedding ring and then took a large paper bag with him. A very large, long paper bag with him. Hmm. Not suspicious at all. And his coworker told him, he like, he said, what's in there? And he's like, oh, it's curtain rods. Yeah, we know that didn't have curtain rods in it. <laughs> yeah, even close. No. <laughs> Don't be suspicious. Do. <laughs> now I'm just going to make my curtain rods out of rifles. Makes sense. Oh, my God. That's very veteran of you, Jamie. <laughs> I don't even know a gun. Wait. I don't know that. Nobody does that. Anyway. So a lot of people witnessed Lee throughout the, the building of the Texas School Depository on that day. Some people saw him on the first floor. Some people saw him on the phone. Some people saw him on the sixth floor. On the second floor. He was all mm-hmm. over the place. Okay. So as the motorcade rolled through Dealey Plaza at about 1230 on November 22nd, Lee Harvey Oswald fired three rifle shots from the sixth floor window of the book depository, killing the president and wounding the Texas governor, John Connolly. A witness, Howard Brennan, who was seated across the street from the depository, notified the police that he had heard the shot come from above and looked up to see a man with a rifle fire another shot from the southeast corner window on the sixth floor. He gave a description of the shooter to the police, and that was quickly broadcast. On the sixth floor, the long bag that Lee said had curtain rods in it was found by the police there were also three shell casings found near the open window lee had hid and covered the rifle with boxes and descended through the rear stairwell he encountered on the second floor in the lunchroom uh, a dallas police officer marion l baker and he had his gun drawn on him he was like who the fuck are you and then with the police officer was lee's supervisor and the supervisor was like oh that's lee harvey oswald we know that guy it's fine (gasps) So they let him oh, walk by. Oh, no. Oh, no. But he didn't seem nervous or, like, out of breath like he had just run from the sixth floor. He was he just like, what to do. He was just, like, staring there like, oh, shit, there's a gun in my face. Okay. You know, like, like nothing. Oh, and so they didn't have any reason to suspect him. And another witness, a secretary for the depository, said that she saw Lee calmly drinking a Coca-Cola on the second floor. So she didn't suspect him at all. Because no. this was after the fact that they found it out. She's like, well, he was just drinking a Coca-Cola like nothing. He's literally not being suspicious. He's not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and he calmly walked out the front door 
just before the police sealed off the building. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 minutes after the shooting, he boards a bus, and then he gets on a taxi, and he goes to his rooming house where he stayed during the week. He changes his clothes, and then he leaves a few minutes later. While he's walking around, it's about 1.15, a patrol officer, J.D. Tippett, drove up alongside him and started to question him. Officer Tippett then gets out of his car, and Lee's like, pow, 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 four shots, kills him right there. Oh, shit. Yes. And, of course, he's like, shit, I gotta run. Starts running. Then, as he's running through the streets, he ends up slipping in and out of stores, kind of trying not to be all suspicious. He's being suspicious. He's, um, like, running fast and then slowing down, then running yeah, fast and then slowing like, down. <laughs> like, bobbing into this store, looking around at something real quick, and yeah. leaving. Um, Too many movies for him. <laughs> well, speaking of movies, he finally sneaks into a movie theater. Oh. And the movie playing is called War is Hell. He didn't pay for a ticket, and he snuck in, and someone saw him sneak in, called the ticket girl, and was like, yep. hey, you just had a guy sneak into your movie theater. The fuck is she gonna do? <laughs> she calls the police. There you go. There you go. Good. Good job, girl. <laughs> So the police arrested Lee Harvey Oswald in the Texas theater. He tried to fire his pistol again, like that one of the police officers, but the hammer that fires it off got stuck on the webbing of his of his hand. So oh, the, it never actually fired. So then he strikes the officer. The officer strikes him back, gets oh. him to <laughs> drop his gun, and they arrest him. And as he's being carried out of the theater, he's like, I'm a victim of police brutality. Like, bro, you shot first. No, you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. No, thank you. So he was taken into custody, and you guys will just have to tune in next week as we get into the investigation and murder of Lee Harvey Oswald and the conspiracies that have vexed the nation since JFK's assassination. You're taking over next week, too? I am. How dare you? <laughs> oh, my God. Yay. Because there is Wow, so I'm excited. I was like, you told me how many pages this was, and I was like... Where is this going? <laughs> You're like, where's the good part? No, I'm really enjoying all of this. This is this is going up in one of my top favorite episodes. Oh, nice. Up there. That's big. yeah. Right. Flight uh, seven oh five is still pretty top tier. Oh yeah, I love that one. That's yeah. the one I always tell yeah. people to listen to. This I one had airplanes in it. Lulu. Yeah. No, this is great. Oh, I'm excited. Yay! That gives me more time to work on my case too. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you welcome. <laughs> yeah oh i'm excited yeah there's so much more that happens too oh i'm ready there's the investigation Let's record it now <laughs> oh for sure yeah you're not ready for the amount of inf- i might there might be two weeks there's so much more to go into whatever you need just let me know <laughs> i'm so here for this i love this episode yay that's that's the beginning of jfk and lee harvey oswald very good uh do you want to hear a weird fact yes you know the Easter Island heads, like the, the, you dum dum, you bring me gum gum. You are, it's, it's literally what I was picturing in my head. Yeah. Two of them have been found with bodies buried underground as well, so they they're not just Whoa. a head; they're a whole body. Giant. They're a whole thing. A whole thing, like hundred feet in the air. If you pulled it out of the ground. Holy shit! That's pretty cool. fucking crazy. Also I love very that. scary. <laughs> How did they get it? I love it. In there. And. I don't know. You know. I have no idea. So I like it. Do you have any good goods? Um, <laughs> not at the moment. The the hubby got COVID, so staying away from him. Um, no, I life is life is chilling. 
<laughs> Your good good is that you have a really adorable dog who wants to play fetch with you, so you have to go do that. Really bad. She keeps nosing her ball at me. And it's too cute <laughs> to say no heart. to. <laughs> There's my good good. That's what I'll do. There you go. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to keep up with us on all of our socials at Bloodbath Podcast. And we'll be sure to see you next week with more on JFK and the conspiracies. It's about to get crazy. So ready. But wait. There's more. Bye 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 bye